Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome. My name is Reverend Dahlia, and I am honored to be here with you today. We've been focusing on a question throughout this year. And the question is, how shall we live? Once we come to know the divinity within us, once we come to know our oneness with God and with each other, how does that guide? How does that guide us in our lives each and every day? How shall we live? And together with that, today I want to look at the question or talk about the question, who shall we be or who are we? It's not just what actions do we need to be taking, but how do we see ourselves? How do we know ourselves? What is the vision of ourselves that we are reaching for, that we're intending to be or to become? And that goes right along with and hand in hand with how shall we live? But I, I want to take this to the level of how do I identify in my spiritual path? Myrtle Fillmore set the tone for unity in many of the new thought movements when she declared in her mind, I am a child of God. And out of that identity, out of that claiming of who she was came all of the actions that followed. Out of that identifying with being a child of God, one with the divine, her healing came about. And out of her example, her husband's Charles Fillmore healing came about. And then they taught that consciousness, that way of being, that knowing who they are to others, and others healed. And the unity movement grew, and they formed a covenant with the spirit of truth where they promised or dedicated all that they did, all that they had to the spirit of truth, and in return knew that they would be provided for very, very well. And so it all started with that claim of who she is. I am a child of God. And all of us can say that. And we might use different words. We might say, I am one with the divine. I am an expression of the great spirit. I am an expression of God. I am a child of God. Whatever wording resonates in your heart and in your soul. And then as we claim that, the words of Jesus that we quote so often in unity, Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life 
and have it abundantly. So not only do I claim and know that I am a child of God, that the divine inner presence is the truth of who I am, not only that, but that as I live as a child of God, my life is abundant. That's what Jesus said he came to offer, came to teach. And we've learned that. We've, we've talked about that creative power that is within us. You know, the power of our mind, the power of our thoughts, the power that moves through us when we align with the presence that is God, when we align with God through prayer. So this creative power moves through us and we, we are the ones, or I am the one that can create a life more abundant. I'm the one that can tap into the possibilities that come from that divine presence. But Jesus also taught that if we are reaching to live from that Christ consciousness and if we are reaching to live abundantly, we must seek first the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And this is a consciousness. He said the kingdom of God is within. So it is our consciousness. It is that experiential peace from which we live. So we seek first to live in and from the consciousness of the kingdom of God or to live in and from the consciousness of God's presence. So I am a child of God. I am abundant through that creative power of God that moves through me. But I consciously make a choice that I seek first this consciousness, this kingdom of God within me, and that comes first. And the things that manifest in my life are secondary to that. That is who I am. I create my life through consciously recognizing the Christ within me, aligning with that divine presence and align and allowing the creative power of God to move through me. Jesus also said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And when I read that, or when I've read it, it sounds good. It sounds like something solid, maybe. But I honestly didn't know what the what it meant. I think the saying might be even a little older than I am. So I looked it up, and what it said is, the salt of the earth means that I'm solid, that I'm dependable, that I'm honest, that I'm valuable. So I don't bounce around one day being one thing and another day being another. I show up each and every day as that 
that child of God, that identity is solid within me. And then, of course, also in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said to us, or he's quoted as saying to us, you are the light of the world. And those on a spiritual path, a Christian spiritual path, often think of God as, or Jesus being the light of the world. But Jesus taught us that we too, each of us, are the light of the world. So when I think about who I am, who am I showing up to be, who am I reaching to be, one way of knowing what I am is knowing myself as the light of the world. That's big. That means... That which I bring must be shared, must be made available to others, must be made available to the world somehow. Because light is meaningless if there is no one to receive it, to see it, to acknowledge it, to experience it. So by declaring by letting us know that each of us is the light of the world, we, Jesus gave us a mandate to shine that light, to be present for the world. And this is powerful too. It's so easy for me, for others, for members of the human race, not all, but many of us, find it so easy to, to kind of fall down in our consciousness and start thinking we're not good enough or start thinking that we are limited somehow by mistakes we've made. We start thinking that we are defined by the times that we stumble. And none of that is true. We are each and every one of us better than our worst mistake. Each and every one of us, however dimly we may shine it at times, are the light of the world. And so this then is true as we look upon each other. There are many people, especially when I go to politics, that my mind says, well, that person's not the light of the world. And that person isn't the light of the world, and that person is... Well, you know who I'm talking about, right? But if Jesus knew what he was talking about, and I believe he did, that in each of us there is that spark. And sometimes the light might seem very dim, and maybe sometimes we can't even see it, but the truth of us is... There is that light is the and that light is the potential of what each and every one of us can be. I was in conversation with a minister and we were talking about the the teaching that we each have this creative power, what we focus our minds, our attention on the consciousness we bring to that, 
determines the world that we create. And my friend is African-American, and we started discussing slavery. And could either of us ever believe that the people who were enslaved created the slavery? And both of us said no. My parents were refugees detained in Hitler's detention camps for many years. Not for a moment have I ever believed that they created those detention camps. Once there, I know that for each of them, how, how they lived in that reality was something that they did bring, that they did create. Like Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp and watched his family destroyed. I don't believe he created the destruction of his family. But what he did create and he shared with the world is knowing that the consciousness he chose to live in was his, that he created that reality. And he came out of those concentration camps to write and to teach this truth. So we are the light of the world, and there is that potential, no matter what the circumstance, to change our reality, to bring out the best that is within us, no matter how difficult the reality might be. And it might be in some situations, the very difficult ones, to stand as the light in that situation to stand at the, as the light that shines on the possibilities, the potential, might be the biggest gift we can ever give. And then as I was looking at this further, like, what is it that we are taught about who we can be, what we can aspire to, and how we may be blessed by that which we choose to be. And the Sermon on the Mount, it's a sermon that's really a collection of teachings of Jesus. The story is that he was up on a mountain and there were many, many people, multitudes surrounding him as he offered these teachings. Regardless of what the actual circumstances, these are considered by many religious scholars to be some of the most important teachings that Jesus offered. Within the Sermon on the Mount, there are three, seven verses in chapter five of the Gospel of Matthew that have been named the Beatitudes. When I was little and taught about them, because of the name, I thought that they were a list of things we were supposed to be. Actually, the technical meaning is it's a list of blessings according to who we are. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus taught that blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for justice, blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, and the persecuted. 
And so my new thought background at this point, I look at, you know, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for justice, and I go, yes. Blessed are the merciful, and that goes right to my heart, and it makes sense. And the pure in heart, and those that are persecuted can be comforted and blessed. But those first two, and I start balking a little bit, what do you mean it's blessed to be poor in spirit? Didn't Jesus say he came that we may have life and have it abundantly? And do not we have that creative power of God moving through us that allows us to bring abundance into our lives? Why on earth would Jesus be blessing the poor in spirit? So as I explored this, and I have done this different times in my life, and as I've read scholars who know quite a bit more about this than I do, I've learned that poor in spirit doesn't mean being poor or downtrodden or have a spirit that is def deflated or defeated. Two authors, modern-day spiritual teachers, they're, they've both left this plane, but their books are still read, have written about this. And they look at the entire uh, section that talks about being poor in spirit, and it reads in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Eknath Eswaran, he's an, he was an Indian-American New Thought teacher. His background was Hindu, but he's written about Christian teachings as well. He had, I mean, the retreat center still exists, but he started a retreat center called Blue Mountain that's here in Northern California. It's close to one of my favorite beaches in Northern California. And it's just a beautiful area in the California hills. But Eknath Eswaran, who lived from 1910 to 1999, wrote a good number of books. And one of them is Original Goodness. And he talks about that's the true nature of each and every one of us. We are not original sin. We are original goodness. And in that book, he looked at the Beatitudes and the many ways that we are blessed. And what he said about being poor in spirit, he said that it, being poor in spirit is simply the opposite of being full of yourself or full of ourselves. It is the opposite of being in the grips of self-will. Being poor in spirit is that ability to be open to what is before us, open to the new, open to the possibilities. When we are stuck in the way we want things to be, we 
we come across like we have something, but we're really closed off to the possibilities that are of God. So if you're interested in this, I recommend Original Goodness. It's a, a good book to read. And then the other teacher that I, I've turned to in trying to understand the Beatitudes is Emmett Fox. He was with us from 1886 to 1951. And he was an Irish New Thought teacher. And he wrote many books also, and one of them is the Sermon on the Mount. And in that book, what he wrote is to be, to be poor in spirit means to have renounced all preconceived opinions in the wholehearted search for God. Sometimes we create a barrier between ourselves and our ability to experience God because we have these preconceived ideas. So this is similar to what Eswaran had to say. Poor in spirit means to have renounced all preconceived opinions in the wholehearted search for God. In fact, anything and everything that can stand in the way of finding God. So renouncing anything and everything that can stand in the way of finding God. So being poor in spirit is we've released the blocks. We release the places we get stuck and we're left with the spaciousness of spirit that allows God to enter. And the Beatitude said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So when I was reflecting on this ability to renounce all the preconceived notions, that ability to let go of all the things that stand in the way. I think of the story of a student and the master and the student is asking the spiritual master to, to fill the student with wisdom and understanding. And the master says to the student, give me your teacup. And he starts pouring tea into the cup and the teacup fills, and the master keeps pouring and pouring, and it overflows and spills onto the student and onto everything around, and the student is saying, stop, 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 stop. And the master says, as long as your cup is full, there is no new understanding, no insights, no aha moments that can enter. In the Buddhist tradition, there is this notion or idea of beginner's mind, and we're encouraged to approach all situations with beginner's mind, that openness to see things brand new, that ability to understand who we are, what we are, brand new. And for those of us who are seeking God, for us to see God, to invite God into our understanding 
in a brand new way. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we come full circle because Jesus said that as we reach to know who we are, we must first seek the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in order to create that life abundant, we must first seek the kingdom of heaven. And here he teaches that it is those who are poor in spirit, they are blessed for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we seek first that kingdom of heaven by having beginner's mind, by knowing ourselves as a beginner, as a child, as someone that is open and eager to learn. And as we do that, we open to the consciousness of the kingdom of heaven. And we are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is ours. So we began with who am I or who shall I be? And so far today we've talked about a number of things. I am a child of God. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am open and receptive. I am a beginner. I am blessed. And I am abundant. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.